Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. God wants us to choose the narrow gate and the narrow road. It's called the ancient path. And the neat thing about that is is that Scripture says when we choose this path and this way, this road, it actually brings us rest in our emotions and in our minds. Uh, it's, it's this way of peace, but it only happens when we go the way of Jesus, and that's what the scripture is about. And, you know, a, a lot of people don't like that word narrow, um, but, but I tell you, what a lot of people don't understand is that when we do enter through this narrow gate, we have this spacious, wide open life ahead. And through Jesus, I'm telling you guys, we have freedom and life purpose and power, joy and peace. And that's what I'm talking about today. Thank you guys. I, I, I want you to discover this, this principle here today is that God is expansive. I'm encouraging you to live large and make Jesus known. Now, when I took my sons on an extreme hike, which is this 36-mile trek, a two-day trek into the Grand Canyon via the isolated North Rim. We had to pass through a very, very unique uh, part of the canyon. And that part of the canyon is actually called the Eye of the Needle. Now, I didn't take any of these pictures myself because I'll be really honest with you. In this part, I was too scared to take pictures. I just, I just couldn't do it. So I found these uh, online. But, but this little area is called the Eye of the Needle. And it's a portion where the trail literally had to be blasted out from the canyon wall. And my sons and I, I'm sure you guys remember these areas right through here. And, and I'll tell you, this part of the, the part of the trail, it's very tight, it's narrow, it's also at a high altitude, so you're feeling kind of lightheaded, it's cold. In fact, sometimes there's ice around there, and you have to be very careful about that because you don't want to slip when you're going through the eye of the needle. But but you, you do feel uh, vertigo when you get there. And when I would walk through this part, I would walk as close to the canyon wall as I could, uh, just as this one-mile section, because it does get scary, and you use both of your trekking poles the whole time because you don't want to wobble when you're there. Uh, but, but, but I'm telling you, the eye of the needle is the only way to get to the vast expanse of the canyon below. So you can't enjoy the broad place, the beautiful place of the canyon until you hike through the narrow eye of the needle. I'm telling you guys, if you want to experience adventure ahead, you also have to walk through the eye of the needle. There's this vast expanse out there that God wants every single one of us to enjoy. And the eye of the needle, also called the narrow gate, which we talk about every day when we come in here, is Jesus. So today's message is entitled, Living Large, Grande. Yeah, it's a little bit of Spanish in there, all right? Now, when, when I think about it, uh, you know, I think that's really what serving Jesus should be like. Living large means that you have the Holy Spirit's empowered and he's, he's there in you and he's helping you to move into everything that God has for you. But, but if you see yourself as a person or people that's just barely surviving and trying to hold on and negative and pessimistic or narrow-minded or finger-pointing or angry or that you're better than other people in Fort Worth because you serve God, then I just want to tell you something, you're absolutely dead. It's really strange and bizarre that 
this type of thinking has decimated some of the church of Jesus Christ in America. And I'll be candid with you, I will have nothing to do with that. You see, the unfortunate thing is that is how people outside the church perceive us as a whole anyway. They, they, they see Christians as pessimistic, narrow-minded, self-righteous, and the few Christians who live with those attitudes gives all the rest of the Christians a bad name. And the truth is, is that if we believe our faith and our church, and if we believe our Christianity is meant to be kept small and quiet and secretive and, and hidden, then we're only deceiving ourselves with some kind of a bizarre notion or a bizarre version of Jesus that God never even intended. In fact, some Christians, they can, they can just be really weird. Have you ever been around a weird Christian? Okay, be honest, be honest, weird Christians, they exist. And I run into them sometimes, and as a pastor, it happens sometimes, or especially after they find out I'm a pastor. There's, there's this gym here in town where the, the, the manager found out I'm a pastor, and he greets me loudly when I walk into the gym. Hey, pastor! And I'm telling you guys, the whole gym, it's like everyone stops for like three seconds, kind of looks around, and slowly begins working again. I'm just like, oh my goodness. I, it, it is so funny, but, but some, some Christians, I mean, he, that guy's a nice guy, but, but some Christians are just really weird, because they, they just are. A couple of weeks ago, I was in this public forum uh, here in Fort Worth, and I was confronted during this Q&A time uh, by a local minister, and he had a very bizarre question about you, about City Life Center, and, and this, this pastor began explaining some really cool stuff about his church, that how people in his church bring excess crops from their gardens to the church, and then they give them away to other people who aren't growing that particular crop in their garden, and everyone has lots of extra veggies. And, and he was telling stories like, man, that's cool, I'm, I'm happy for you. I don't, really, I don't know why you're telling me that, but that, I've, and then after he finishes with that, then he, he confronts me, and he says, do the people at City Life do that? <laughs> and and, and like, I'm telling you guys, it, it all of a sudden became silent in the packed room, right, Preston? I mean, it was just, you felt the tension, just. He gave this, he gave me, he gave us this bizarre jab. And of course, I was like, well, no. I said, you know, a lot of the people in our church don't even have soil. I, mean, I live in condos and apartments. I said, we live in a concrete jungle. But I'm telling you, I was just trying to make it have full fun, but that still wasn't the answer that he wanted. And he announced to me and the entire assembly that day that, that city lifers should find a way to grow their own crops anyway. In fact, afterwards, I had a lot of people coming and explaining to me how everyone can get their own pots and grow special things in their gardens to bring it here to the church and give it away. And I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> I felt his scorn. Publicly, I did. You felt it for me, didn't you, Preston? It's funny because when all that happened, the moderator then kind of like rushed in to 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 end this this uh, tension that was in the room, which actually had nothing to do with the topic of the day. And it's funny because then afterwards, Preston mentioned to me he's, that that same minister had cornered him and confronted him and criticized Preston in the men's room. And and it was and like guys, you know, you don't even talk to other people in the men's room. Ladies, they have like like have they have small groups in there, but you know. But guys understand that, ladies, you know, but, but you understand, but he, he was criticized for a statement that he made on video with the mayor's presentation of how local churches can impact the community. And, and he's like, yeah, he was jabbing at me. And I just thought, man, like, how weird. Uh, I was like, it, but, but on the other hand, no wonder some people see Christians as being self-consumed, self-righteous, negative, narrow, and pessimistic. I'm telling you guys, I don't want city life to ever 
Be a group of people that shoot down, criticize, or attempt to humiliate others around us just because they do things just a little different than we do. I told Preston, I was like, well, bottom line is, I'm glad I don't go to his church. I would be, it would be a scary church to go to. I'm not going to tell you who it is, and you know, I'm sure he doesn't listen to our podcast. So. But, but, but then we just change the subject. Just like, like, let's move on. Because, guys, that stuff is not living large. I'll tell you guys, I, I've traveled this world. Some of you have as well. And I've seen many, many very beautiful yet contrasting expressions of Jesus that, 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 that I absolutely, I've seen so many expressions of Christ, I absolutely cannot restrict myself to one certain way of following Jesus other than what the scriptures say. Therefore, we live our lives wide open and we don't attempt to isolate ourselves or restrict ourselves uh, over small interpretations of the scripture or differing practices of compassion. You see, guys, when we live our lives wide open, we become attractive and beautiful and fragrant to the people who are seeking to find Jesus, which is the objective anyway. Now, they may not agree with your political views, your style of music, your standards, or your values, but it's not about all that stuff anyway. Why make that the issue? Because the issue is Jesus. Now, as challenging as it might be, I want to say this, we cannot narrow our view as to what serving Jesus really looks like. So I just want to put this out there, though this is important. Please understand, I don't for one minute, not even a nanosecond, which I don't even know what that is. I, I don't, I'm not asking any of us or saying that we should conform to the culture of this world so people will be attracted to us. So that, you know, that, that's not even what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. The message of the gospel is unchanging, but the methods change. And that's one of the reasons I've committed as the pastor of City Life Center to, to focus on preaching about what the Bible says and what the gospel of Jesus says. And this allows us to be secure in our foundation so that, so that we can really see the huge opportunities that are around all of us because God is expansive. And living large and making Jesus known is really what we need to be all about. Therefore, I'm telling you guys, I don't want us to be small and narrow in our ways, and, and I don't want you to offer to uh, live your life in a small and narrow way anyway. In fact, I love the way that the Apostle Paul spoke to the followers of, of Jesus in the city of Corinth, and he scolded them about, about how they were starting to act narrow and self-righteous. And Paul, Paul said these words. He said, we didn't fence you in. The small, look at this, the smallness you feel comes from where? Within you. You see? Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open your lives. Live openly and expansively. In other words, live compassionately, gracious, and all-encompassing. And in this world of social media, sometimes uh, I, I, I get quite embarrassed with the behavior of some Christians and some harsh terminology that I see online and I know it's tempting at times and often it's predicated with terminology like this someone will say I usually don't comment on things like this but <laughs> or I, I'm just going to say what I want to say I'm going to go oh no 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 I better not read anymore or, or well I'll tell you what I think or how about this one I'm going to put in my two cents on this one here's a thought if it's only worth two cents save it and buy yourself a couple gumballs I recently read something that said that there have been more, uh, there's been more unfriending on Facebook over the past four months in America than any time in the history of Facebook. 
ooh, you know, like a whole 10 years. But why? It's because Americans, we're proud to use our right of free speech. We like to say what we like and dislike now about political candidates. And the truth is we can. That's a good freedom to have. But there's so much fervency and intensity right now that people are ditching their relationships with other people and even organizations because of a political statement of one person. I'm sure... And sure, I, I, guys, I know this. We're in a season of unprecedented challenges for our generation regarding this current election. It's huge. You know it. I know it. And I, I'm challenging you. I'm your pastor. You hear my heart. Search your soul and listen to the Holy Spirit and make sure you are registered to vote and vote. Go out and actually do it. Vote early. In fact, we're going to have a vote early campaign starting here pretty soon. Because I've got something I'm going to ask some of you guys to help me with on election day. You're going to serve people. But regardless of how difficult you might think it is to cast a vote and like, oh, who do I choose? Well, do it. And I will. And I'm going to set the example for you. But, but the harsh opinions of God's people regarding temporal issues such as politics can actually ruin our witness of Jesus. God forbid that the words that I express regarding a political candidate would cause someone to close their ears to the gospel of Jesus that I live my life for. See, here, here, I want you to see, understand this. I'm smiling. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, I said their names, they are temporal. The United States of America is temporal. Jesus and his kingdom are eternal. We're a part of two kingdoms, the kingdom of the United States, but also the kingdom of God. One is temporary, one's eternal. Where do you lean? You care about the temporary, absolutely. You participate in it, you become a change agent within it, but you also live with a long-term out- outlook of the eternal. See, I have my political opinions, but my political, exp- my political stance, I guess you could say it's broad, like because I live large. It's not narrow and temporal. Why? Why is it broad? It's because I've read the Bible. Because the Bible tells me, exactly what the broad looks like. Here it is. You want to hear it? I I have a whole message on this I shared last November. Preparing everyone for a year of craziness. It's this. I am looking. You can quote me on this one. Put it out there. I am looking for. Actually, it is my political stance on Facebook if you'd like to go and look. I am looking forward to Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of a future world kingdom. And I have to let you guys know the Bible also says that I'm going to be serving right alongside with Jesus it's you as well. So, guys, here's my opinion. Here, here's, here's my challenge to you. It's not my opinion. This is my challenge to you regarding social media during the season. Here it is. Be compassionate and gracious regarding what you say about anyone or anything. It's a really a good position to take. See, <laughs> when we're small and narrow, we become like uh, armchair politicians. Now, I'm going to have some fun here. I want you guys to flow with me. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like a 350-pound, 50-year-old drunken Cowboys fan at AT&T Stadium yelling obscenities and spilling his beer on everyone and giving mocking disdain toward the quarterback from the stands at the stadium as if he could do better on the field. 
I know I'm stretching here, th- things here a little bit, but, but the negativity and criticism that so much pervades our culture absolutely must never be characteristic of the church of Jesus Christ, our church, and as you as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm telling you guys, simply refuse to participate in anything that's critical, negative, spirit on social media, especially when you claim to be a compassionate, gracious, life-giving Christian. God will give you the wisdom in where to put the boundaries. It's like, well, Jesus would criticize them. Well, I've actually read the Bible. I challenge you to do it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know who Jesus criticized? The preachers. Can I say it again? Who did Jesus criticize? He criticized the religious elite because of their narrow, rule-bound, restrictive lives that they were trying to force on others. He didn't mind them having their own narrow lives, but when they tried to restrict, trying to make it happen on other people, Jesus was like, uh-uh. See, this is the same type of negative people that, that Peter and John faced at the beautiful gate, at Gate Beautiful. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you the first part of that story. It was a story of how this lame beggar was miraculously healed through the name of Jesus. And no sooner did, did, did he get free and began jumping and leaping about than the negative folks, they, they started demanding an explanation because his healing didn't fit their paradigm. Take a look in your Bibles now. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Acts 3, 11. See, Peter now being full of the Holy Spirit, he, uh, he, he, he began to confidently talk about the works of Jesus. He stood boldly in front of them and explained to them what's happening. Take a look at it. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished. came rushing to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? See, because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. See that? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, yet you handed him over to be killed. Now they're talking to the religious people right there, the religious leaders, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. And you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you, and you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, it is in Jesus' name. They're pointing at him. It is in Jesus' name. Look at it. Then the faith that comes through him has completely healed him, as you can all see. See, Peter made it very clear to all of these angry, angry religious people that it was not through his power that the layman was healed, but through the power of the name of Jesus. And he was helping them to see that, 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 that they were being actually narrow and small in their thinking. Remember this. Smallness comes from within us and not from God. It comes from our own prejudices, our insecurities, and our hurts and our fears. And that's why God wants to heal us of those things. And the more we're healed of those things, we're going to have less of that that makes us small. What, what, what Peter was explaining to them is, is that, that there, there's this truth that there is this narrow gate, and it's a beautiful gate, and its name is Jesus, and there's only one way to the Father. And, and Peter let them know this, is that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you're going to, going to be saved. And This is this unbelievable message of, of eternal freedom for, for, for everyone, not just the people who were there in Jerusalem. I like the way the Apostle Paul states that he says, whoever, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will 
be saved. And that's all because of the name of Jesus that that lame man who was once lame, he could now go where he had never gone. He could now do what he had never done. He walked into a vast expanse when he walked through Gate Beautiful, representing Jesus. Walking and leaping and praising God, experiencing and, and living within this vast expanse of God's goodness. And that is exactly what living for Jesus is all about. It's about living large. It's about going places you've never gone. It's about doing things you've never done. It's about, it's about, about doing things that even others have said that you can never do. That's why I love the gospel of Jesus. Doing a church and getting a church established in the downtown business district of an American, large American city is not easy. <laughs> I'll just tell you that right now. Those of you who have been with us for a while, you know that. Uh, church planting organizations typically strongly recommend against doing what we're doing here. Why? Well, there are several reasons. And the funny thing is I didn't really know these reasons until after I said yes to this thing. <laughs> but, but parking is, is a challenge. Hello? You guys know that? Property is crazy. It's expensive. I was told, it's like, sell that building and go way out in the woods somewhere and you can have a building like five times that size with all kinds of property. <sighs> That's what God has called us. You see, also the people who live in these areas uh, tend to be very distant from God and they're turned off regarding church. Uh, also, you can't go door to door and you can't hand out flyers inviting people to church. And finally, I would say probably the biggest challenge is that, is that people in areas such as this, their mindsets regarding God tend to be very, very challenging uh, for healthy Bible-believing churches to penetrate because of their perception of the church based on the, some of the stuff that I just shared. Yet five years in, God has been blessing us. We went from like barely holding on, and I mean from the skin of my teeth, and I remember the day I walked through here, and I started praying, God, show me what to sell. We gotta sell something to pay the electric bill, or this thing's done. <laughs> and then, then we went from barely holding on to just barely making it. And that was a big step for us. And, and that's when we had to pay off all the back taxes that were on the building. Uh, they were gonna come and start seizing stuff. Like, I didn't know there were taxes on this building, but you know, you gotta pay your taxes. The tax man comes. And, and then they send you this tax bill, and God, you trust, we trust right there on the bill. And I go, okay, that's, that's, I trust in him too, but I, I really could use some tax money here. And, and, and even, just, then we went to surviving. I was like, okay, now we're just surviving. It was a stretching of our leadership team, sometimes to some unhealthy extremes. And, and now to, to where we're thriving. And the thing is, guys, what I love about this is now we're in this place where we're beginning to grow and be expansive in so many different ways. Yet, on the other hand, we've only just begun to see the incredible things that I believe God wants to do through your church, City Life Center. We had our initial critics. They're gone now. They don't even talk anymore. One church, say they said this, Preston, you, you, you may remember this, but, but they said they were, <laughs> really, this happened. They were waiting on us to fail so that they could come in and seize our property and have the building. Church. And so many naysayers uh, shook their heads at me and said, good luck, you know, I'll just come visit you in the hospital. But you see, God had another plan. And, and, and here's the truth. From the very beginning, we decided we were just simply going to listen to the voice of God. And we were eager to hear and respond to his voice, even if he told us to do something that, that didn't sound like the traditional way of doing church, yet was still biblical. And God brought in the right people. God brought you, see? And you look around going, oh my goodness, we're the right people? Yeah. And no, it's not been easy. No, we, we did not have some major ministry pay our bills to get us on our feet. That didn't happen. 
The truth is, we did have many friends. I have some, a lot of friends. There's some people who are listening to God say, hey, I'll help here and help there. I want to be a part of, of, of this miracle as God continued to build the congregation. And they helped pull us through the early days. In fact, one of them was here last Sunday with us. and Actually, he was the largest donor to our church since I've been here. And uh, this is his second time to ever be in this place. It's because he believes in the vision of what God's doing here. See, one of, my, one of my favorite parts of what God is doing at City Life is he's bringing people in from all these diverse backgrounds to find Jesus and to grow in Christ here. And I love the fact, I love it, that we don't all look alike. We don't all have similar backgrounds. We don't part our hair a certain way. And, but Because we are actually as diverse as downtown Fort Worth neighborhood is. And I love the fact that, that God is touching people's lives here through our worship and our ministry and the growth of the word of God. And people from this church are becoming change agents and influencers in their culture. In fact, I was recently researching our downtown neighborhood attempting to find a church that had been planted, established, and owns property that had been raised up in the last 75 years. And you realize that I could not find one until I come to 915 Florence Street. That right there is proof that we didn't do this. It was God. Because the truth is there are a lot of very good people, godly people, smart people, and even wealthy people who could start and establish a church in the heart of this city and, and own a piece of land <laughs> And, and drive a stake down into the ground. But unfortunately, it's not happened in 75 years. But fortunately, God planted us here. So here's the deal. You, if you really look at me, you can say, okay, I get it. Uh, that's our pastor. So we definitely know that God did this, not him. Come on, it's true. I, thank you. Thank you very much. You too, Austin. But, but it, <laughs> it certainly can't be Tim. I didn't do this thing. It's God. It's the name of Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the body of Christ functioning as a local church because we are God-fearing, spirit-filled, spirit-driven, and we are tenacious. And I tell you, my friend, this church has grit because we've been through some stuff. And we are determined that we are going to continue to do the things that brought us up from the very, very beginning. And I believe there's going to be a day, Austin, when we are going to look back at this five-year anniversary celebration and say, wow, remember that? How far have we come? I tell you, this is true. It's in my notes. I just Have you ever like, had these moments where you're talking and you have a memory of a dream you had? I literally had a dream last night. I'm not saying this is from God. But it's just a little, I actually, it's just now coming to me. I had this dream last night. We built this huge parking garage right over here and, and all these lots and we owned all this property and, and, we, and, and we had all the space for parking and people would come and, I, I, wow. I mean, yeah, I literally had that, that dream. I don't know if it's God or not, but that's what's in my heart. But God places those things there. I believe this place is going to explode with praise and worship of the almighty God of the universe who causes these things to happen. And it's not by our might. It's not by our power. But it's by the work of the Spirit. It's what, what God has done for us and through us, He wants to do for you and through you. So you are not narrow or restricted. No. Through Jesus, you have purpose and you have power. You have freedom. You have life. You have joy and you have peace. And Jesus will, will never make us be a narrow church, nor will he make you be a narrow person. My prayer and my passion is that, that my life will be expansive and full and living large and yours as well. Living life based on the scriptures with your eyes focused on the one who never changes and his name is Jesus. 
See, through Jesus, you don't have to be bound up with apathy anymore. You don't have to walk the narrow way uh, 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 and live in this tight confines of seeking entertainment or intoxication or momentary bursts of pleasure to find yourself. That, my friend, is restrictive. Look, live large. Now, you don't have to live in any fear of isolation or, or apathy. You can just... Be a servant of Jesus. And like I like to say at the end of every prayer meeting early on Sunday mornings, let's haul off and have a good time. See, my prayer is that when people come here, they're going to be confounded with the love and the grace and the life and the acceptance that they will experience in this place because Jesus makes all things a broad expanse of wonderful and grace-filled, energized living. I believe that people are going to look at your lives and they're going to be drawn to you. And it's not simply because of what you're doing or how you dress or where you work. No, it's just who you are because they're going to be attracted to the spirit of life that abides within you, the spirit that you carry into the room, the spirit you carry into the marketplace, and the spirit that you're going to carry into Trinity Park this afternoon. See, when they see you, they're going to get a glimpse of Jesus and, they're going to, and it's because they're hungry for God. And you'll see it in them, and you'll know it, and you'll embrace them regardless of who they are or what they've done. And when they get here, they're going to be in this atmosphere where we will then, like Peter and John did, we will heal and we will restore and teach and preach and worship in Jesus' name, for His name is the name that saves. And God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, but it's all according to the amount of power that works in us, and therefore I want that power to be great. See, Jesus is not willing that one person should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And, and, uh, and, and since I follow Jesus, and since I choose to make Jesus known, then that's my call of action as well. I don't want anyone in my city to perish, and that includes you, that includes your family and your friends, that includes the people you work with and the people you play with and the people that you see coming and going that you have not yet had the opportunity to chat with. I believe that. Paul says it this way, so spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, this is beautiful, but all the broken and dislocated get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of the death and the blood of Jesus that was poured down from the cross. Why wouldn't you want to be on that adventure? God wants you to be in this vast expanse where you can live large and you can come to a place where all of the broken and dislocated pieces of your life can come together. He doesn't want you living restricted and small, locked within the consequences of your misdeeds. He doesn't want you to be held back by your shame, own shame. He doesn't want you to be restricted due to the disintegration of your relationships or, or because of the income level you are. No, Jesus wants to put your life together, mend your heart, take off the restrictions and in all small-mindedness and addictions and habits and ways of thinking that keep you locked up in a personal prison. <laughs> God is for you. He has so much for you. And there is so much adventure ahead. He's expansive. So live large and make Jesus known. You see, Rules and limitations and regulations and discipline, they only become a, a burden when we're forced to obey them and we try to understand it within our own power, which we simply can't do. That's why we need each other. We, that's why we need the local church. We can't do it on our own. And through Jesus, we have that freedom and that life, that purpose and power and joy and peace. That narrow gate will never make you a smaller person and you will never come second when you put God first. 
Solomon said, in everything you do, put God first and he will direct and crown, this is from a king, crown your efforts with what? Success. Sounds pretty amazing. So when you're reflecting Jesus, you're revealing this wide open, spacious life that he brings and people are going to be drawn to God through you. They're going to see something different about you. They're going to, they're going to see something supernatural. They're going to see a glimpse of Jesus Paul said this, he said, so spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Would you please close your eyes for a moment and focus internally? <laughs> Maybe you, you're a follower of Jesus, but, but you're just craving to enjoy more of the vast expanse of God this morning. Have you been feeling restricted? And, and Maybe you're feeling like you're just operating within your own strength instead of leaning into the other followers of Jesus around you and the spirit that abides in you. Are, you. are you needing to see some things come together and some healing just explode in your life or some addictions or some chains or narrowness fall off your life? Well, if so, I want to pray for you I want you to receive this prayer right now. Come on, receive this prayer. I'm praying for you now, guys. Receive it. Lord Jesus, I pray that the broken and dislocated parts of the lives of people in this room will come together in this vast expanse of you, knowing, God, that you are for us. And Lord, we desire to live this large life that you've planned for us. But God, we recognize that we can't do this in our own strength, but only through the power of your Spirit. So will you pour your Spirit into us? I want you guys just to repeat this one little line right here. Will you repeat these words with me? Say, Jesus, help me to live large and make you known. Also, if you want to know this Jesus that we talk about and you want a clean slate and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you want to be included in this closing prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to very simply raise your hand because faith is when you respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. Because God loves you so much and he died for you so that you could have eternal life and life to the full beginning now and everything can change today. If you need Jesus, you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, will you lift your hand because I want to pray with you. Thank you. Who else? You want to receive Jesus today? Just lift your hand for me because I want to lock my faith in with yours. Okay, here's what, I'm going to want us to, here's what I want us to do. I want everyone to stand. Come on, everyone in this room stand. And if you raised your hand, I want you along with everyone in this room to pray these words with me. Come on, I want you guys to pray these words with me with faith. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past. And I embrace the vast, expansive future that you have for me. Thank you for cleansing me from all my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. 
Again, that's connect to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.